question I'm asking in this session of Look at the Book is, is it right to be comforted as a Christian by the assurance that our adversaries will be judged? Or is that vindictive? Is that loveless? That's the question. And the method for trying to answer it is to look at a text like 1 Peter 4, 5 in particular, and and the way it argues, the way Peter argues here, and then by broadening out to another passage in 1 Peter and then some passages in Paul to see whether or not what we've seen here is true there as well and whether light is shed on how it might be right for us to be comforted by the promise that our adversaries will not get away with their maligning us. So, Father, if we're on the right track here, we really need to get this right because we know that love is the greatest thing. And I pray that you would show us about the relationship between the pervasive command to love in the New Testament and and what we see in this text. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. With respect to this, now the this there uh, is referring back to verse 3, the time that is past suffices for doing what, doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. We've looked at that in another session. Here's what we're looking at now. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So they are maligning you for your not sinning with them anymore, but trying to walk in holiness in a way that pleases the Lord. That's the condition you're in. You, you look foolish, and they've got all their friends that are saying that they are right, you are wrong, you look square or nerdy or uncool or out of it or worse, and they are spot on and just and right to tell you that you are a jerk for leaving them now and playing like goody two-shoes and, and holier-than-thou by pulling away from them in their, in their debauchery. And then Peter says, but, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. In other words, um, while it may look right now that they have the upper hand in making fun of you and calling you malignant names, nevertheless, they will give an account, and they will give an account to be sure, either in this life or in the next. I think the reason he says uh, even the dead will give an account, Christ. God is going to come and he's going to to judge the living when he comes, whoever's alive, and against him, 
and those who have already died. So if you live under this kind of criticism for 40 years, and somebody is your enemy, and they are prospering in all they do, they prosper, and they made life absolutely miserable for you. And then they die, and you die. And it looks like they got the upper hand for 40 years. They don't. They don't have the upper hand for 40 years. I mean, for forever, because they're going to, he's going to judge the dead as well as the living. So accounts will be settled. No one escapes judgment. And this is given, it seems, as some kind of this but here. What, is, what does that mean? What, what are we supposed to feel when he says but? Surely, wouldn't you agree, it, it's meant to encourage us. Like here we are being maligned, and it looks like we're getting the short end of the stick as, as Christians. And then there's this word, but. But you're not. You're not. Because in the end, things turn around. A judgment is coming. Now, the big question is, should we be encouraged by this? Should we be comforted by that thought? Or is that vindictive? Now, to to answer the question, it might help just to go back a couple chapters. Here we are, First Peter 2, and watch Jesus. This is Jesus now. He, Jesus, committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, so here's this malignant talk, this maligning, just like they're maligning you. When he was reviled, he did not revile. This is love, Right? In return, when, when he suffered, he did not threaten. This is love. He's, he's returning good for evil here. How did he do that when the moral sense rises up in a godly soul and says, this isn't right for wicked people to malign godly people like the Son of God? And here's, here's the solution. But he continued entrusting himself or his cause, entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Now, isn't that the same kind of thinking? Jesus himself on the cross has the thought, because he's, he's a moral being, and he has the thought, what is happening to me right now on the cross is wicked. It's wrong. It shouldn't be happening. And those people that I love and I'm dying to save, they should not get away with this. And he simply hands it over. That's the literal meaning. He hands it over, the cause himself to him who judges. He says, okay, God, this is in your hands. I'm just going to die for these people. I'm going to love these people to the end, which is surely the attitude we're to have back here. When, when it says, God is ready to, to judge the living and the dead. When they malign you, you go on returning good for evil. Look at another passage. Romans 12, 19 to 20. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. That's like Jesus not returning 
reviling for reviling. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it, leave it to the wrath of God. That's what Jesus did on the cross, right? He handed over to him who judges justly, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. You don't repay, I will repay. What, what do you do? To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he's thirsty, you give him something to drink. And, so, and by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head, which probably means if he repents, they are the coals of contrition. And if he does not repent, they are the coals of judgment. Same thing in Second Thessalonians 1. God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the Lord Jesus. So my conclusion is that throughout the New Testament, as well as the old, it is right for the saints who are being mistreated, who are being maligned by wicked people, it is right for them to love those wicked people to the very end of their lives, praying for their blessing, praying for their salvation, and knowing if they do not repent, they will not in the end get away with this, but that justice will be done. Therefore, take heart. You do not need to have vengeance now. Leave it in the hands of God and lay down your life like Jesus did.